Okay, let's open up the uh, scriptures to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. I'm going to talk about blood today. It's obviously a lovely subject, blood. Praise the Lord that uh, we don't need to uh, shed blood now. But uh, here, just to start, Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. That's Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. Just one verse here. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Okay? So, uh, i.e. remission of sins. So uh, God has uh, firmly put in place uh, from before time began that in order for sin to be forgiven, or sins to be uh, remitted, then blood needs to be shed. Okay? It's an odd thing, something I struggled with for a while as well. You know, why? Why do you need to shed blood uh, for sins to be um, forgiven? Why can't you just tip water out of a cup or burn a leaf? You know, why do you you have to shed blood? But uh, it's what God has said. And that's the way it is. And when God says things, he has a reason. Okay? Um, And so we, as uh, spirit-filled Christians, we believe everything that's written in the Bible. And uh, until we understand the reason, we believe it and we put it into practice. But there is a reason that God has for uh, implementing this thing that uh, blood needs to be shed in order for sins to be forgiven. So we go to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 4. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 4. This is just after the flood. Uh, So um, in the known world, there were eight survivors, uh, Noah's family, uh, his wife, his three sons and their wives. And uh, the waters had dried up and the Lord... Um, had provided a covenant that he will not flood the earth anymore with water. Um, And then we get to uh, Genesis chapter 9 and verse 4, and it says here, But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall you not eat. Okay. Now the Hebrews were very unique amongst other people in that they didn't eat blood. Um, I mean, in New Testament times, uh, it's fine. I mean, w- w- there's blood pudding and all those things, but they actually could trace back uh, in the ancients, they could trace the movements of the Hebrews because of the fact that they uh, washed all the blood out of their meat uh, before they, uh, they cooked it. But here it says here that uh, there's life in the blood, Okay. So the first verse we read was that blood must be shed in order for sins to be forgiven. And here's a hint that life is in the blood. So when you're shedding blood, you are shedding life. Okay? Over to Leviticus chapter 17. Leviticus chapter 17. And verse 10. Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 10. 
And it says here, And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you that eateth any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls or forgiveness for your sins. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, No soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourneth among you eat blood. And whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn among you, which hunteth and catcheth any beast or fowl that may be eaten, he shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. For it is the life of all flesh, the blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, You shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is the blood thereof. Whosoever eateth it shall be cut off. So it's quite a serious thing. God took it very seriously, uh, this proclamation that life is in the blood and that uh, blood needs to be shed for the atonement of souls. That's how important it was. And uh, so much so that even if there is a foreigner amongst God's people called Israel that, uh, that does this, they'll be cut off. You know, they'll be removed from uh, that uh, nation of Israel. Uh, and there are only a few things uh, in the Old Testament that if people did them, they would be cut off. And one of them is eating blood. Um, because, one, uh, the animal's life is in the blood, and two, the blood is used to make an atonement for the soul. Okay? So we go back to Exodus chapter 11. Um, Exodus chapter 11. It's called Exodus because it outlines the exodus of the nation of Israel from Egypt. But here, there's been nine plagues of Egypt, and we get to Exodus chapter 11 for the tenth plague. And it's the Lord uh, showing Israel, number one, what he can do for them when they call unto him and uh, prove him. But also, number two, uh, showing uh, the difference between Egypt and Israel, that uh, God uh, cares for his chosen people and lets destruction come on those that are against his chosen people. So here in Exodus chapter 11, verse 1, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards he will let you go go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Verse 4. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. So it's quite a, a plague, this last one, the tenth plague. Everything that's, been, that's firstborn will die. We'll go down to verse 2. 
sorry, chapter 12, chapter 12 and verse 2. So chapter 12 and verse 2. This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. Down to verse 7. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. Down to verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment, I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Down to verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out. And take you a lamb according to your families, and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, The Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when you be come to the land which the Lord will give you, according as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That you shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Phenomenal, phenomenal um, sadness throughout Egypt. I can imagine the firstborn of everything was killed in this one night. But the people of Israel were protected because they put blood, the Passover blood, on the door lintels so that uh, uh, the Lord noticed it and, well, passed over it. And, uh, and, uh, And so this also was an important uh, thing to remember, as it implies, for every year the Passover sacrifice was made and there were other little things that were done to remind God's chosen people what he did at this time and how um, by the shedding of blood that their families were protected 
uh, that their firstborns were not killed, and it was by the shedding of blood that their souls were atoned. And, uh, and it's important, this, and we know when we can read that it was, and today as well, the, the Passover celebration with uh, the Jews is an important day. Uh, we, um, in a way, uh, remember it as still as well at Easter time. Uh, it's some, a date that changes because it's dependent upon the moon, moon phases. But it was such an important thing that even it says earlier that it's, it's the beginning of the year as well. The beginning of the year, the Jewish year, was to celebrate this Passover uh, remembrance. That uh, the shedding of blood, the, the uh, Passover lamb, that blood uh, protected uh, the people. Just go over to uh, Exodus chapter 13. And another little aspect, kind of a little side to, the, to it all. But it, it proves a point. So Exodus chapter 13 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify, or set apart, separate for me, unto me all the firstborn. So as a result of this, um, this miracle, uh, this Passover miracle, the Lord implemented this thing that, okay, as a result of that, all the firstborn are mine. Okay? I, uh, I asked you to, uh, to put blood on the doorpost to protect the firstborn. Uh, and they are mine, okay? They belong to me. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. So it belongs to the Lord. Uh, Down in verse 11. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, as he sware unto thee and to thy fathers, and shall give it thee, that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix and every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast, the males shall be the Lord's. And every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. And all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. And it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What is this that thou shalt say unto him? By strength of hand the Lord brought us out from Egypt, from the house of bondage. And it, shall, and it came to pass, when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. And it shall be for a token upon thine hand, and for frontlets between thine eyes, for by strength of hand the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. Okay, so imagine that uh, you've got livestock or pets, and the first, like if it's a male that's born first, then that is sacrificed. Uh, it's killed, okay? But there's an outlet. If it's a donkey or a horse, you know, that's a, a, quite a substantial animal, you still have to sacrifice something. And so you sacrifice a lamb to redeem it, okay? It's the same with your firstborn son. 
There's a lamb that you redeem if you can afford it. Turns out further down there's an out, uh, avenue that if you can't afford a lamb, and we'll read an aspect of that as well, but there's some life that is given in exchange, right? And that's the importance of the shedding of blood as well. There's an exchange. When blood is shed, the life is in the blood, there's a death, okay? The death of that thing instead of this thing. And that's why the shedding of blood is so important. It shows that, hey, look, we are sin. We deserve to die. But this other thing has shed its blood for us, so that dies instead. And it's such an important thing to to think of that in order for us to live, something has to die. Because we deserve to die, but because God is gracious and he wants to see us live, he's happy to see that lamb die instead. And that's the shedding of the blood, the importance, uh, the, the shedding, uh, the, the exchange, a life for a life. And so we're just, uh, this is the Old Testament law. And of course, Jesus grew up in the Old Testament law and his parents um, did this thing. So over to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, Jesus' parents, well, earthly parents, uh, we know uh, it was his stepdad, Joseph, they were following the law. That's why they were chosen by God. It's because they were upright and following his commandments. So in Luke chapter 2, and as you'll read, it turns out they were poor people. So Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. And we've got here, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, that's Mary's, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Because as we read, the eldest son belongs to God. So uh, Jesus is the eldest son of Mary. Uh, Verse 23. As it is written in the law of the Lord, oh, here we go, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So that is key there, evidence that Mary and Joseph were very poor people. They couldn't afford a lamb. And, uh, and so they brought a pair of pigeons or a pair of turtle doves. But those uh, turtle doves or those pigeons, whichever it was, they laid their life down that Jesus at this stage... His life wasn't taken as a baby and their blood was shed and, and sprinkled all over the altar and so forth. That exchange. Over to uh, John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Here is a place where the Lord makes a particular point of what happened at uh, the, the dying of Jesus Christ. John chapter 19 and verse 30. John chapter 19 and verse 30. 
When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Okay, so it's written here, Jesus died here. The Jews therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first of the other, which was crucified with him, with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bare record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith truth. And he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done, the scripture should be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. And so many things that are written in the, uh, the Gospels uh, that Jesus did was that scripture may be fulfilled. But here we have a, a show, I guess, of Jesus' blood uh, falling out of his body and onto the ground. Okay, now the shedding of the blood meant death. Okay, uh, Jesus' bo- uh, blood was shed and meant he died. And so when we talk about blood for the remission of sins in the Bible, it's the death of that living thing. It's not just cutting a finger and there's a little bit of blood that drops. It represents that death of that thing and that exchange of life. So here, Jesus died for us so that we wouldn't die. He died that we may live. And in doing so, there's this display, this show that he shed his blood. So, yeah, here we go that uh, Jesus' blood was was poured out, which meant that he died um, for us. Uh, over to uh, 1 John chapter 5. And it's interesting, it says here, as you turn there, it says in verse 35 here that, and he that saw it bear record, and his record is true, and he knows that he saith true, that ye might believe. So we go over to another book that John wrote, 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And verse 4, 1 John chapter 5, and down in verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, Even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Okay? So there's the importance there, that uh, there's this tying up of things through the Spirit, that on earth, that water and that blood, that shedding of that blood, 
that, uh, that exchange of a life for a life. And here John bears record that he saw that happen. He saw Jesus Christ die. Over to uh, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And verse 22. So Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. This is uh, Peter explaining about uh, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit when people spoke in tongues. And in the middle of it, we've got here in Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him, in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. So here it says it's absolutely impossible for God to die. Okay, so how was it? God was in a bit of a conundrum here. He needed to rescue his people. And so he saw and knew that the, uh, the, the blood of goats and bulls, they weren't enough. You know, that uh, he needed to die himself. But there's this problem that God can't die. So what's the solution? He sent his son to suffer. He sent his son to suffer in the flesh to prove to everyone that he died for that moment, that he shed his blood, and there was finally a proper exchange of life for life, that three days later he rose from the dead, that uh, he couldn't be held by uh, death, and uh, where is that sting? And that is also an example, a thing that went before us, that we also will be raised up. That if Jesus was raised up by the Spirit, we also will be raised up by the Spirit. And it all was made possible because Jesus Christ died. Okay? And he died, we know that, because he shed all his blood. Life is in the blood. That forgiveness. Over to Galatians chapter 13. Galatians chapter 13. Sorry. There is no chapter 13, is it? It's, uh, I got it back to front. <laughs> Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. There's that word redeem again being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So we were bound by sin's curse. And so Christ himself became a curse for us as well. So there's that exchange. He was cursed that we may be set free, that we will no longer be cursed. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 
and verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Okay? It just adds more to it that by the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without spot, we have been redeemed. Redemption is so important. And it says there in verse 20, he, it was foreordained before the foundation of the world even. It was all part of God's plan to do it this way. And in the last times it was manifest to us that we can see it and live it. Last scripture, Hebrews chapter 9 again. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and back to verse 22. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that took look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So in the Old Testament they had to continually offer these sacrifices because what they were living was a, a representation in the physical sense of heavenly things on earth, that physical temple and, uh, and the physical altar, the physical showbread, uh, candlestick, all those things was a physical representation of heaven on earth. And so these earthly things were okay for the time, but now we have the Spirit in us. We are the tabernacle of the, uh, the, the Holy Spirit in our bodies. And so we are part of the kingdom of God. We are not uh, living in the shadow of heavenly things. We are living in heavenly things. So there's this far greater need for a sacrifice of being the son of the living God so that we can live today in the actual heavenly things. You know, yeah, okay, we're living here on earth, but within us is the spirit. And, uh, and that guides us and we can learn from it and by reading the scriptures. And so that's the, uh, the, the true 
uh, thing. So we've got the true thing of the heavenly thing, and then in the Old Testament it was the representation. And so that's why God, Jesus only has to die once. It, it uh, transcends time, that, uh, that he lives today, that we worship a living God, that Jesus is alive, he's on the right hand of God. And it only needed to happen once that he needed to shed blood, but it did need to happen so that we could experience what it's like to be a part of the kingdom of God. Okay, thank you.